your vision for real with Alicia Michelle. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another Eurovision for Real podcast. It's your host Alicia Michelle and I'm excited today because this this episode's going to be really special because I'm going to have a couple of guests join me. So, you know, unlike some previous years and I would say definitely the last two years of Eurovision, slightly the last three years, if we want to include 2020, I sort of said that I needed to take a break from the national selections. I felt like when I would hop into the national selections, you know, I would get my heart broken so much, too much. So I was like, no, I'm going to take a little step back because ultimately I just want to have the best Eurovision experience that I can have. And I also, I don't want to have any, you know, thoughts of what could have been once we get to Eurovision. And I felt like when I was following the national selections, that's exactly what I would experience sometimes with some countries. I'd just be thinking, man, we could have had this. We could have had this. So after years of heartbreak, I said, let me take a little break. I'm going to take a little step back from, you know, the Eurovision National Selection season. But this year, I've deep dived. I'm all the way back in. I'm all the way back in the mix. And I'm excited because I'm going to bring to you a couple of conversations with some of the stars. I'm just going to say the stars of this year's National Selection season. But before we get into that, I want to hop in because so much has happened in our Eurovision world. So much has happened that I'm like, you know what? Like, we got to break it down. So before we get into the interviews, that'll be the latter half of the Eurovision for Real podcast this week. If you haven't already su subscribed, you're like, this girl can't even talk. Why would I even subscribe? No. But if you haven't already subscribed, this is your moment. Please subscribe to this podcast. And let's hop into this conversation. So I'm going to bring up someone who is a featured writer contributor of eurovisionfam.com that's eurovisionfam.com because we were really a big family at the end of the day all right so i'm bringing you to the mix elda so i'm going to start off and just say how did you discover eurovision i think it's mostly an accident more than anything around late 2016 early 2017 in which i started following the contest I don't know how or why, but I started listening to some of the songs involved, and so I just started going about it. Maybe it was related to something in our class, and some, it was asked the question, but I probably found about it later, and then I was interested in it. So as of now, what would you say is your favorite Eurovision song? Hmm, interesting. There's the winner in 1990 called Insieme 1992 because when I listened to it, it was at a time where I was taking this class on international negotiation simulation. And I was like, oh my God, this is sums up what it's all about for me. I really liked it for how hopeful it was and how it represented Eurovision. And the performance itself was fantastic. Well, I love the fact that you mentioned the hopefulness of Eurovision, because I think, too, like me being an American Eurovision fan, that's what I see from it. I And as much as I'm into it and I love to follow it and some people go, oh, you're taking it way too serious. I'm like, why not take this amazing thing seriously to a certain degree? Just because I'm taking it seriously doesn't mean that I'm not leaving space for fun. Like those two things are not like mutually exclusive. I can take something seriously and have fun with it. Like, but I love that hopefulness because I think that that's how I see it. I, I love music and I feel like how amazing and inventive that like some folks in Europe were like, Hey, we need to like come together a little bit. And by using me music as the vehicle to do just that, I think is amazing. I think it's really cool to notice because it sort of serves, serves a double meaning, not only to promote peace after something so horrible, such as the Second World War, but also to test out technology, which is also a pan-European project. They used it before, or to test it out in the coronation of Queen Elizabeth II, and then it's still going on to this day. Even technology in terms of staging has accelerated over time. That's impressive. 
You know, you're completely right. And actually, that's something that I've experienced as well. And and that I've mentioned actually right here on the podcast was, I'm like, I think people forget that a little bit of Eurovision is about technology. And I have to say, that is why I was really so surprised that the contest was just straight up canceled in 2020. Now, I mean, of course, hindsight, we we can kind of go, oh, well, you know, we could have done this, we could have done this. And I'm really not even coming from that mindset. I'm coming from my 2020 mindset of like, if this thing already was kind of pushing the boundaries of technology, I just sort of felt like, how could we not have figured something out, especially given that time frame and just what was going on um, in the world? I think having Eurovision in 2020, the fact that we didn't get it, to me, still feels a little bit like a missed opportunity because I'm like, if anyone could have figured this out, I think it was the EBU could have figured out something for us in 2020. But shifting a little bit, Elda, you know, you've been writing for Eurovision fam. You were one of the like early folks that I sort of got on board and was like, hey, I'm doing this thing. So, I mean, just talk about some of the pieces that you've written already because you've done so much. Okay. So I mostly do a variety of things. A couple of which stand out to me is one about how apolitical Eurovision could get. I mentioned it a lot as up to this point, but I felt like it stood out because Russia started to invade Ukraine and I was wondering what is going on? And then people are complaining about Eurovision being too political or there are songs about it. I mean, it's been going on for decades. So I figured comparing it to the Olympics, which in theory should also be apolitical, but in practice is sort of tied to different historical events around the world. And people have boycotted the games because of the Cold War or some other situation. So I tried to incorporate that and it turned out pretty nicely. Another series I'm doing right now is explainers for national finals. I don't really follow them personally, but sort of giving an idea of what it's all about, why you should follow it, and some songs that should pique your interest. I feel like it's a good starter for those who are trying to get into the rabbit hole. But it's also a double-edged sword because someone could get too involved, and as you said before, you could get heartbroken about it, and then your judgment of the winning song would be colored by the other songs surrounding it. Yeah, and we see that so often, I think, in in Eurovision, where it's just like, and I have to say, like, this year, we've had a couple of really strong national selections. And, and it's been kind of a bummer to see people less excited for the winning entry, even though it's like we've gone in, gone into it knowing, look, this country's got like five solid options. <laughs> They've got five solid options. If If your favorite doesn't win, and they go with maybe one of the other options, what are we really upset about? <laughs> what are we really sad for? I think I think is kind of is kind of my perspective. I feel like it's interesting because I wouldn't have I don't really follow it too much so that I, but in terms of strong national finals it's, a, it's it was really a matter of taste at that point. And even if the staging might be a bit off, it's still time to improve before the actual contest. So you might as well be patient to see the final product. No, I definitely agree with you there on that. Now, okay, so are you following any of the national selections this year? Or are you are you like, I'm not going to follow. I'm just going to keep focused on the big show. I did follow a bit of San Remo last week. I would listen to some of the songs and list, watch most of the final night. It was an interesting experience, so to speak. I didn't I didn't understand anything, but I was trying to follow my way through the show and I was kind of actually hyped. So are so you happy, happy that Marco ultimately won? I was I respected his victory, but I wasn't very fond of the song. Apparently it might be changed, so I'm just waiting it out and see what happens. I think I'm in the same boat. I I think I saw something from Eurovision, like the official Eurovision channel saying that he was going to keep the song. But I'm going to wait. Before I react, I'm going to wait because we still got some time. We'll see. But let's talk about the big show. 
what country are you really feeling this year? Because we've got like a nice handful of songs now. I, I think I'm, in my mind, I'm like, are we halfway through? I think we are halfway through, which is crazy. Probably. As in my country might win. Well, yeah. Well, what song do you personally like? And then we can talk about what we think actually has the opportunity to do well as of now. Okay. So two of them stand out to me. The Czech Republic's My Sister's Crown and Spain's Ea Ea. With the former, I like the whole melange of languages and how they sort of encourage solidarity for their fellow Ukrainian sisters. I know there was a bit of controversy before the song was officially confirmed because people thought, one, it's political. Well, it kind of is because of the timing. And two, because some Ukrainians interpret it as a Russian song, but when it's not the case. But it's still really engaging, and I like the different elements they incorporate into it. And from AIAF from Spain, I was sort of looking forward to Blanca Paloma representing the country after last year's Benidorm Fest with Secreto del Agua. And I, for the latter, it was really intriguing just because she's inspired by her grandma and the different vocal elements into it. It could turn out to be something special on the night of. I definitely agree with you. I think those are probably my two front runners right now. But then I'm sort of waiting to figure out, well, is Europe, is Europe in like a party mode? Because if they're feeling like a little bit of a party this year, which very well they could be. Then I, I've got my eyes on Slovenia a little bit still. I'm kind of like, okay, Slovenia, maybe y'all could come through with something because I'm loving what Joker Out is sort of serving this year. And it could be, you know, maybe a little bit of that, like it could scratch the party itch that perhaps Europe could be feeling. I think that's an interesting song because you wouldn't expect Slovenia to produce such quality and something so quirky, so to speak. I mean, they switched to an internal selection and it sort of paid off wonders that way. I think I would have to need another listen to the song because it had good elements. I had a spirited feel, but there's might be a little more to go from good to great. And I think that's going to come down to the staging. You know, I think that's one of the things about the Eurovision Song Contest that's so real is it's 50% how you bring it to life. You could have a really great studio track, but if you can't really bring it to life, you're going to be in trouble. I think I'm more heartbroken by that than having my favorite song lose in a national final. Oh, that's an interesting point. And I think some people experience that where it's just like you love the sonic interpretation of just diving into that song with your headphones on, playing it in your car and whatnot. And then you see the performance and it's like, okay, what happened? What happened? <laughs> About five years ago, An Era Moon was released. And I think it's one of the best songs to come out of the contest, but the staging was not there at all. <laughs> it's so funny you mentioned that because I literally have the single that they were giving out. Uh, it, like, I, I can see it in my eye shot in my office here. Because I, I even said the other day, I'm like, I need to put this on the car because... That song was amazing. That song with a good staging package, I think could have gone on to be top three at Eurovision, but instead it was on the cusp, didn't even qualify because yeah, so much of Eurovision is about how you bring that song to life. Now, Elda, can you tell the folks maybe about some articles that you're working on or something that they should peep on Eurovisionfam.com? I'm working on an explainer for Festival Cansao, which is an interesting national final just because it's sort of tied to Portuguese history in the early, in the early part. And recently, it's sort of taken a new life because there's so many indie artists. Portugal's getting success again the last couple of years. So we're figuring about what's going on. I'm also trying to write another art, politically based article because it's a year since the evasion. So I'm wondering how it changed what solidarity could be involved beyond Ukraine. And I, it's going well, but a little more research is involved there. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us. And I know everyone needs to go to Eurovisionfam.com. And I love the fact that you talked about Festival.Consal because the first interview that I am turning to today, 
for the podcast is going to be an artist from Festival Dock and South. So keep it here. You'll find out who's going to be coming up next. Hey, Eurovision fam. I am so excited today because I am yet again not alone and I am being joined by honestly, I, I would say one of the front runners, not trying to jinx you, girl, but one of the front runners for Festival Da Consal, Portugal's national selection for Eurovision 2023. It's Mimi Cat. Yay! How are you <laughs> feeling today? Well, I'm feeling good. It's Friday, which is always a good one. So I'm going to have dinner today out of the house, out of the kids. And it's, it's, it's a good day, yeah, actually. <laughs> I'm feeling okay. Oh, my goodness. I, I forgot. You're a mom, too. So I'm a mom. I have a two-and-a-half-year-old. Okay. I have a four-year-old. He's going to turn four in, sorry, in one month. Oh, my, my camera just fell off. I'm sorry. My phone. <laughs> it's not my camera. It's my phone. Let me put it back on. let's see if this thing sticks uh but yeah i have a four-year-old almost four-year-old and i have a almost two-month baby oh yeah oh i love oh, I, I two love boys that. oh my goodness two boys well i i've got a i've got a daughter and i will say i'm nervous about parenting a boy i'm like i don't know if i'm equipped i don't know if i can run fast enough how do you kind of balance being a creative and parenting and and becoming a parent? Did it change you um, as a creative? Would you say did it change what you wrote? Kind of the songs you gravitate towards? Maybe yes, maybe no. Yeah, yeah, it did. It definitely did. You know, um, I always wanted to, to be a mom. You know, there was a time in my life where I always said as uh, that if people asked me, well, would you rather have a career or would you rather have a child? And I would say I would rather have a child because I was I was trying to be a mom for for a few years and I, I couldn't have the baby you know I couldn't get pregnant at all it was a drama, so when I first got my 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 first pregnancy, it went smoothly and I wrote a bunch of songs uh, but I didn't get to write a song for for the baby you know I never completed a song for for the baby, so it definitely changed the way I. I uh, saw music at the time and that's when I started to think about writing more in Portuguese because I, I used to, to write in English uh, I used to think that uh, everything I wrote in Portuguese sucked so I never wrote anything in Portuguese or a few pieces but nothing special so the first time I actually wrote something well this this song actually I was was a first because it was wrote ten, I, I wrote the song 10 years ago yeah and um but then i stopped and i didn't write anything else i didn't want to ruin it you know um but but yeah then i started writing in portuguese i don't know maybe four years back when i was pregnant uh with my with my first kid um because i wanted to to offer a song to my mom and dad they were it was it was their 15 50th anniversary of their marriage and I wanted to, to give them a song yeah but it definitely changed because I wanted to write more in Portuguese so I started you know uh, writing more stuff in Portuguese um, and I know I don't know it, it brought out so much strength in me you know the, the resilience that you need to be a mom and go through all the the problems of motherhood at the beginning mostly because it's so hard it changes so much your, your mindset and everything around your body you know it, it just changed me a lot uh, and I think that brought me a lot of, of the strength I didn't have before, you know, so I, it, changed, it changed the way I approached my career, honestly. So it made me better, I think. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. I, I want to transition, I guess, a little bit because I kicked off saying that you're one of the front runners. I mean, your video on the lyric video, it's like you, Evandro, Barbara, and then Edmundo. Yeah. as like going into the competition i feel like this is one of the strongest years of festival dot consal like since sort of i would say the revamp in 2017 yeah. Yeah. uh are you familiar like because some some people's music industries are sort of small are you familiar with some of your competitors uh have you worked with anyone before that's actually going to be at festival dot consal this year well no most of my friends uh, actually were competing in other years so this year I don't have you know a friend <laughs> I don't, I'm familiar with with some of them 
but I'm not friends with any of them. So we're not friends. We're competing <laughs> against each other. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I, w- I would love to be to be friends with them. I, I think that we'll get to, to know each other more uh, as rehearsals start. So probably we'll make some beautiful friendships out of it. Yeah. So since you've known people who have competed before, have you gotten any advice from folks yeah. that you would be willing to share with us? <laughs> yeah. Well, well, oh, my my friend, you, you must remember her, uh, Joana Alegre. Joana is always, you know, sending me messages. Friend, you got to do this, girl. Da, 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 da. <laughs> and she's very enthusiastic about it. So, uh, yeah, I love that. <laughs> Oh, that's so great. I mean, yeah. and Portugal's on a nice, has like some nice momentum at Eurovision uh, the past two years coming in the top 10. Does there feel like pressure or, I mean, you've, you've been a performer for quite some time now. So does it yeah. feel, do you feel sort of at ease with it or is there a little bit of pressure? Well, yeah. There's a little bit. Well, I, I wouldn't say a little bit because, you know, I, I changed my, my mindset like two days ago before, because before that I was starting to feel the pressure of not um, corresponding to the expectations, you know, because people are putting all these expectations in the song and in, and, uh, in the, the staging and the performance itself. So I was like, well, damn, what am I going to do <laughs> if people don't like it? What am I going to do? I was like panicking a little, a little, but you know, but I, I changed my mindset and I, I, you know, I just thought, well, fuck it. If people don't like it, they don't like it. Well, I don't have anything to, to lose actually. So if they like it, it's a plus. Well, <laughs> way to go, girl. <laughs> but if they don't like it, well, then it is life, you know. So I just, I just, I'm just taking it uh, a little bit, little bit more lightful now. So I'm trying to take it easier on me uh, and not forgetting to have fun, not forgetting to rest and to, you know, to enjoy the most uh, this experience, you know, because I think it's, it's a unique experience that I, that I actually need to, to enjoy, uh, enjoy the ride. Um, because I, I always wanted to, to be there, you know, I've been trying for years to get invited, you know, and they never invited me. You know? Well, we're happy to have you this year. I mean, especially like, again, I've said it before, this is one of the strongest years of FTC. Yeah. And I've been really, really enjoying the playlist. There's so many strong songs. Yeah. You know, I know you can't give away too much, but can you give us maybe a teaser or a hint of how you plan to bring the song to life on the stage? Well, my idea for, for the performance was, you know, to be faithful to the song because the song has this, so there's so many different things in the song, you know, there's so many different kinds of styles and, and kinds of music. And you have all these different kinds of sounds, you know, you have Spanish sounds, you have uh, a little bit of Costa Rica, the, the, the Eastern Europe uh, kind of vibe. Then you have the popular side of Portugal with the, the, the rhythm, because it's like a marcha. We call it a marcha because we have marchas populares. And it's a very popular song, and and it's in literal literal sense because you know it's it's popular. It's not pop music. It's popular. <laughs> uh, so it has all these things, and but then it has that diva kind of thing of the old you know uh, Portugal uh, vibe, you know, like Simone and uh, Manuela Bravo, you know, the old stuff from from Festival da Canção, uh, which I love. You know, I live for that kind of, of vibe. Uh, it has the cabaret, the burlesque. It has so many different things. So I, it, it was hard to bring that into the performance. Since we're a small country and this is a public event, it belongs to the state because you know it be- belongs to public television. It, it's not supported by millions. It's, it has a little, you know, it's a low budget <laughs> thing. So we need to work with what we have. And, you know, it's a miracle what the, the team can do, the, the, the organization. Uh, so we don't have many resources, you know, we, we have to work with the, with what we get. So I, I think that the, the most of it is going to be the choreography. Honestly, I worked with, uh, with a friend of mine. I'm going to have two dancers on stage with me. And, you know, we tried to create a piece that was funny and strong at the same time. You know, it has to be funny. You know, people have to laugh when they watch the, the, the choreography. And at the same time, they have to feel the power. So we're going to put, you know, a bit of everything in the choreography, hopefully. 
Well, I'm really going to be looking forward to this. When I was first reacting to all the songs, I was like, oh, this is great. And in my mind, I've been doing some live streams and people have been asking me about the song and I'm just like, oh. lean in. I'm like, let's just go full on. I'm like, there's something about it that feels, yeah, like kind of cabaret-esque and a little yeah, bit of- Yeah, it's theatrical, yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, just lean in. I'm like, I'm I'm all in. I'm just here, <laughs> I'm here for, for sort of the feast. I'm like, do whatever. But, oh. um, you know, ultimately you're competing for Eurovision. Are there, any songs like did you watch Eurovision last year? Did you have any favorites? Are there any favorites of Eurovision yesteryear songs that you might want to share with us? Well, I I'm not a super fan of Eurovision. You know, I'm not a super fan of any TV shows actually because I don't see a lot of TV. <laughs> so I usually watch the performances online afterwards. So and unless I have to vote for my friends. <laughs> But, but yeah, you know, my favorite one of all time, like the song was uh, Arcade from Duncan Lawrence. It was my, it, it's actually one of my favorite songs of all time. I oh, love that song. That's yeah. wonderful because, you know, Duncan is actually going to be back. Uh, so the Netherlands, they're having a, a duet because okay. uh, their artists have already been selected. And apparently Duncan is part of the writing team okay. uh, for the song this year. So in theory, Duncan will sort of, be back at Eurovision. Okay, okay, okay. let's 20, see what it's gonna bring. Yeah, yeah, 2023. But well, I, I love, I love, I love what he does. Honestly, I'm a fan of his work. You know, I, I didn't know him, uh, and I, I started listening to Arcade at the radio station here in Portugal. Mm -hmm. uh, then I went to see the performance. <laughs> I'm so bad at this. Um, and and you know, there's that. And then uh i'm also obsessed with the performance of chanel last ah year. yes yes Damn, burn up the girl. stage burn Damn. it up the stage that girl was amazing i feel you know, like i saw i saw the performance so much that i thought like getting to italy and seeing it live i'd be like okay i have seen no like my jaw i was still like <gasps> she's doing no, she's a goddess I, what she did is like very very difficult oh yeah it's very very difficult i, oh, I yeah. don't know that people if if people have that notion because it's it's so hard to do what you did you know to, to, to be able to sing in tune and dance mm -hmm. that much it's it's really really hard so i'm obsessed with that and also uh Pravi with okay Pravi. yes yeah. yes yeah you know and, and also people... and so that uh, <laughs> i mean Honestly, your vision has just been getting better and better. Yeah. I I have to say, so have you heard any of the other songs at Festival Dokkensau? Because I do have a question that I typically ask folks at Eurovision, but I think it makes sense. And so the question basically is, if you could steal someone else's song and, and make it your own and put your own spin on it, whose song would you go, okay, I'm taking that one and giving it sort of like the Mimi Cat remix? Okay, so it would have to be Nesti Maria. Ah, okay, yeah. yes, Claudia Pascual song. Yeah, it would have to be Nesti Maria. First of all, I'm a fan of Claudia's music. I'm I'm a huge fan. Not just that, but I'm a fan of her work in general. I love what she does. So hands down. Uh, but yeah, Nesti Maria would definitely be the one I would, you know, put my spin on. Uh, <laughs> but but the perfect one for me would actually be a mix in between Claudia's and Ivandru. <laughs> ah, yeah. Would actually I'd... be a mix of them too, you know. It's, okay. Yeah, it would be something like that. <laughs> okay. And so what song right now is currently stuck in your head and what like artist doesn't have to be Eurovision related or anything. And what artists are you kind of just like loving their catalog right now? Let me think of, of, of my Spotify playlist at the moment. Uh, I think that I'm a little addicted to, to Yeba. Okay. And yeah, it's pretty much Yeba. I've been listening to a lot. Well, yeah. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and Jacob Banks as well. Okay. I feel yeah. like with Portugal, I love the influences of folks and, and the music that everyone kind kind of listens to because it, it feels like this this wonderful kind of melting pot of like lots of different sounds, but y'all put it together and it, it's still, it can sound like yesteryear, but still modern. 
and not everyone can do that. I think that really is um, an art form. Well, I know I don't have tons of your time, but I just want to say thank you so no, much. No, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Me. I took my time. I took my time for, for this interview. It's okay. <laughs> no, but thank you so much for talking thank with you. me. And best of luck. Break a leg. You've got a whole bunch of people rooting for you for yeah, FDC. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. Thanks, guys, for, you know, I've, I've been receiving so much love and messages and, and all kinds of things from, from people all over the world, honestly. I, I, I didn't even know that the Eurovision and, and Festival de Canção had such a, an, an impact. You know, I, I oh, had yeah. no idea. <laughs> I had no idea at all. So I'm, <laughs> I'm just stoked with all the the feedback i've been getting so i want to thank everyone that's watch, watching this or is going to watch this afterwards uh so yeah thank you thank you thank you for your support and thank you alicia for you know i i you know some people sent me the links where in which you you talked about my songs so thank you for your comments <laughs> no worries no worries and you have a wonderful wonderful day thank you so much i am talking to my very first UMK artist. Okay. It's Alexandra. It's yeah. there's no is there a cool pronunciation that I could do with it? Alexandra or? is perfect. I or sometimes <laughs> Alexandra or whatever. Yeah, that's perfect. But I've also heard lasagna, which is not right. That's not lasagna. Okay. That's my okay. side project at some point. Maybe. <laughs> well, I'm so excited. You are going to be at UMK, which I don't know if you've heard what the streets are saying, but the streets are calling UMK this year one of the strongest national selections. Yeah, I've heard that. That's amazing. I mean, the quality is there. And I will just say, as an American who has been following Eurovision for quite some time, over 10 years, you know, I love watching the national selections. And, you know, and they're such a big deal. There's so much, like, buzz mm. behind them. It's, like, the perfect way to sort of get into your, like, Eurovision mindset. And I have to say, the television production last year of UMK was, to me, top-notch quality. I felt like each artist really got to take over the stage in a way where from song to song, it almost seemed like everyone's was on a different stage. Like yeah. that is how personalized the staging hit. So I'm, I'm going to kick off and we'll go back, but I'm going to just kick off and say, what has the process been like doing UMK? Like, how did you find out about it? Did someone ask you? And now that you're sort of in the mix for it, what have you been working? What have you been kind of working like? Um, and how are we going to get to see the song come to life on stage? Not, I know you can't tell us everything, but you know yeah. what you can share. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been an incredible journey and experience. Yeah, I actually, I, I was asked a few times. So UMK, uh, like some people that are, Luna, Jesus. sorry, I have a dog here. And she's she's eating. No, maybe that's that's probably fine. Anyway, <laughs> um, so I was asked a few times, and um, and I was it just didn't feel like the right time uh, when I was asked um, before, and and yeah, I just wanted it to be the right time and the right song for me to um, apply, and and then that happened last spring. So in April. We wrote the song and and then I felt like, yeah, okay, this is something I want to go with. Um, and yeah, yeah, it's just been an incredible experience, um, both doing the music video, which I, I love that they actually a huge production for that too, which was amazing. And then from there, go on to to work on the show, which has been incredible. And, and yeah, also also kind of scary because I've never done anything like that before as it meets a big show and I, I I'll have five dancers on stage with me that's something I can I can tell you and um yeah that that's super cool and and yeah it's and yeah I mean how what do I want to tell there it's going to be dramatic it's going to be emotional and it's definitely going to represent what I really wanted to make sure like I really wanted to make sure that the show really tells the story of the song so I wanted it to be really connected to that and, and not be something that is just I don't know something that is disconnected or, or just I'd really wanted it to to kind of uh, support the story of the song um, and I feel like that's that's happening I mean yeah we still have not much what is one and a half weeks um oh and then it's ready so yeah we'll see what happens but but it feels great it feels really great and 
um, it's also really fun to dance and sing at the same time, which is something I haven't done in this way uh, before either that much, like to really have some like choreography. Usually I dance on stage, but just, you know, whatever comes, comes, um, comes in mind and whatever I feel like. So yeah, it's, it's, it's an incredible experience and there, yeah, it's a big production. It's a huge production. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I that is one thing that I, I would love to see more broadcasters sort of take on because I do think UMK allows you all to have, even if you're a really established artist or kind of like a newbie, you get this really clean, polished package. So even if you're a newbie and you maybe don't have all of that like infrastructure in place, when you know you're participating in UMK, you're going to get sort of this very polished introduction, I feel like, to the world. And, For sure. And it's great. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. It's an amazing opportunity. Yeah. So talking about this big opportunity, I have to I have to note that some people, and you sort of mentioned that you've been asked before, because some people might have heard your voice before. And I found myself, like, as I was doing my deep dive, because when I reacted to all the songs, your song definitely stood out to me. I was like, oh, this feels really, really special. I was like, there's something. Thank you. Yeah, I was like, there's something, there's definitely something here. But I, I want to ask, you know, your vocal tone, I find so wonderful, but also unexpected. So I'd love to know kind of your relationship to singing, how you kind of discovered, I would say, music as a creative. And you mentioned dance a little bit. I've noticed in some of your music videos, you've done, you know, kind of contemporary dance before as a way of, of sort of telling the story. So yeah, like as a creative, how did you kind of discover music, singing your voice and, and also incorporating dance as a way of telling that story? Yeah, yeah, I was, um, I started writing songs and when I was a teenager and kind of at the, at, at that same time, I started taking singing lessons because I wanted to get to like a music high school and, and I was just really into making music. And I had before that prior, or like prior, I hadn't really, I had been singing in a choir and, you know, just with like very light, like just this kind of like, oh voice and and so I didn't really know I wasn't I never thought I would be a singer that was never I didn't really know my own voice so I kind of got to know my own voice when I started taking singing lessons and then I realized oh you can sing in this stronger way and then then I realized how I actually sound um and then and then people were like oh you have a very special sound and I was like I guess that's weird like I I didn't really it was never something I had in mind or I was never trying to sing in a certain way or anything I was just really I was really just getting to know my voice which was which was very exciting and and yeah and that's kind of where it started from and then I got really excited to learn how to sing and I think then I started to kind of try to sing in different ways. I mean, you kind of explore different techniques and, and ways to sing to then kind of come back to yourself. And yeah, it's it's been um, an amazing kind of a journey also like vocally. I've had actually a vocal cord surgery once because I had been doing shows when a little bit sick and I have very like sensitive vocal cords and I guess that's why I have the voice I do. Um, so, so yeah. It's, yeah, it's been a lot. Um, and yeah, what was the rest of the question? Was there something? No, no. I mean, I, th I think you sort of answered it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, yeah. You did sort of answer. It's interesting. You mentioned vocal. So I had vocal cord surgery in 2016. I actually had a cyst oh. on one yeah. of my vocal cords. Mm. And, um, and to be honest, I really thought I'd like never sing again. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's but scary. But with time, with time, it, it got better. But it was like interesting sort of that first like two years because you, you really do sort of have to relearn how yeah. you place things and, and whatnot. For so. sure. Yeah, yeah. It was it was it was a long process. But but yeah, I feel like I found like I was afraid my voice would change, but it, I don't I don't feel like it did. So I think mm -hmm. it's it's good. Okay. Well, I, the other piece I was going to kind of note to you is I have to confess that I had probably heard your voice before I knew it was you because you had a song featured in a commercial that I swear was following me around, not just on television, <laughs> but like on the internet. And I'm like, yeah, 
is this commercial? It was like one of those things where it's like, especially if you have like a streaming service, more often than not, they're going to give you like the same commercial over yeah. and over again. Mm -hmm. um, but I will say I, I, I grew a deeper appreciation for the song in listening to it its, its entirety. So the song, y'all, if you haven't already Googled or looked it up, but it was Hush Hush Baby. Yes. And it was yes. in... Well, maybe I don't know if I want to plug the brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Downing I was gonna say I don't know if I want to plug the brand because oh, yeah, they true. have not paid yeah. me. <laughs> That's true. They, I mean, they paid me for the song, but I'm not right. an influencer. I'm not influencing the brand. I haven't even tried their products. Just throwing it out there. Just the song. <laughs> well, I will say it does make your laundry quite soft. Um, okay. Well, <laughs> and that smell must, very nice. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but what yeah, was it was a laundry detergent, which was so funny. And yeah, did, I guess it was, people, it was big in the U.S. Yeah, I was wondering. So did you have anybody like drop down on the music video, like find the song through? Yes, the for sure. A lot of people and a lot of people were, were like very, they either people love the song from that commercial or they hate it. Like, which, which, which is so funny to see. I think that's, that's such an interesting thing. And I think that's always a good sign because, it, you know, it. I really, with my music, I really want to kind of, um, hopefully people will feel something when they listen to the music. And I feel like that's then you've done something right. Either they hate it or they love it. <laughs> so, so I think it was, I mean, a commercial song is always tricky because it might get annoying at some point if you, if you hear it all the time. So, but a lot of people found the song and actually really found me as an artist and, and have stayed, which has been, I also had some songs in some TV shows and stuff like that over in the U S and, also some in Europe. And I think um, that there's an interesting kind of when you combine music with a visual, I think it's a very powerful tool. That's why also with UMK, you know, having the show and the music video and everything, I think that's, uh, that's always a powerful tool to, to really, you know, get in into people, you know, and, and maybe it's a it's an emotion of like sadness or, or some kind of like comfort or joy or or love whatever it is uh that's always the the goal i think well i i have to say, i feel like i'm like foaming at the brim or bubbling at the brim a little bit with like questions so one thing yeah i wanted to touch on is you had the opportunity to re-record um in the name of love and and that was for uh there's an amazon prime show i don't know if it's the same kind of brand distribution in europe but for the man in the high castle what was that process like? I mean, also like recording a song that's so iconic that so many people just know. Yeah, what was that like? That was amazing. I mean, it's such an amazing song. And um, yeah, it was, I was nervous also to do a cover of such a big song. And, and I mean, to really big TV show. I think it's not as big here, but I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty huge. And, and to be in the trailer, which, which and the trailer was incredible. And when I saw that, I was like, oh my God, what? That's me? Um, so that, that was really, really cool. Um, yeah. And, and recording it, uh, I did it in LA with a producer and the whole process was just, uh, was really, really special. And it was quite also like Hush Baby, quite in the beginning of my career. And I was still kind of didn't really know what to do most of the time. So it was, it was just very exciting. A lot of new things. Um, so, and yeah, I think it's a beautiful song. Uh, so yeah, it's super cool. One of the things I've noticed in my time period of kind of covering Eurovision is, you know, some music industries are pretty close knit. So I'm curious a little bit, do you know some of the folks that, like, had you prior, like met some of the folks that you're competing against at UMK is sort of the Finnish music scene, um, a little bit more familial, like, like some others. Yeah, totally. I mean, the Finnish music scene is small and I mean, I have been, I have been based in Berlin, uh, until a bit. Yeah. Not a year ago, even yet. So, so I was actually, I haven't been here much. I've been mostly working from Berlin and yeah, going to LA and London and stuff like this. So I, I don't, I don't know that many, like, but I, but it's a small, it's a small industry. So, uh, and also just a small city in a small country so so actually uh Yonto from kuma is uh, from the kuma band we we went to the same like we've known each other since we were teenagers and and yeah and also just yeah just that whole band i know these guys they're they're so lovely um and um 
and then I I kind of knew through the industry. I knew Robin and and Benjamin and and uh, and and I think yeah, Kate I didn't know Portion Boys I didn't know Caria I didn't know so yeah I knew like half of the other contestants I I knew and half I didn't so. So yeah, it's uh, it's a it's a small place. I mean, and we realized actually, Keira has has gone to the same high school as I did, but I'm I'm a lot older. So 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 yeah, we we don't know the same people at all. It was very cute. She was like, "Oh, do you know this person?" And I was like, "No, I, I it was ten years ago." Right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, so it's a small place. Um, definitely, everyone's kind of connected. But that's that's the cool thing getting to do this kind of it doesn't really feel like a competition it's more like mm -hmm. a, i'm just enjoying enjoying everything and it's it's lovely to share it with lovely people yeah so on the other side of this you know national selection of course mm. is the eurovision song contest uh growing up in europe do you have any early memories of eurovision uh are you are you already sort of thinking like oh like you know, like maybe like I could go there because even if it doesn't happen now, like that doesn't mean it can't happen in the future. You totally, know? totally. Yeah. I mean, uh, I used to watch Eurovision as a kid and obviously, yeah, it's I, I just always loved the shows and 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 but then when I moved to Berlin, I kind of forgot about it. And just yeah, it was it was just more techno clubs and other stuff. Uh, so, so, but then I think a few years ago, I kind of got back to it again. I mean, and, and back in the day, I mean, that wasn't even that long ago, but I remember Euphoria, Laureen's Euphoria super well. And I remember I was like, wow, who is this? Like incredible. So I, I really loved that one. And, um, and in the last few years, I mean, Duncan Lauren's arcade was, was beautiful. Um, and Moniskin, of course. And, and so, so Yeah. I mean, I would, yeah, I would love to get to, get to, you know, compete in Eurovision. We'll see what, what's going to happen. But um, if not now, maybe another time. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a really cool, I love, it's just a very cool concept. And, you know, getting people get together with, through music, uh, I think it's, uh, it's incredible. And all the shows and the songs and, and the artists, and it's just so cool. Well, so I, I have to also ask a little bit. So I am am an American. I speak the the language I speak the most is probably like French. I took French for four years, and then yeah. and then proceeded to watch a lot of like French movies and stuff. Oh, so love it. so I tried to I tried to you know make sure that it stuck a little bit. It didn't stick too much, but I have been fascinated because UMK is so strong. I have been listening to so many of the UMK tracks, and. Through this process, I have realized that I'm like, you know, Finnish is seeming real hard. <laughs> it seems like a not easy language to learn at all. What would you say and, and what is the difference from your perspective between Norwegian, Danish, Swedish and Finnish? Because I feel like each has a thing that makes it sort of unique. What sort of separates, you know, kind of, I'd say the Nordic languages yeah actually the other nordic the languages like that you mentioned uh, norwegian swedish and danish they're actually very similar to each other so so if you i i speak both swedish and finnish so i can speak like Nor nordic general whatever that is it's not actually a language but we can speak to each other for example with someone who speaks norwegian because i speak swedish and we understand each other um same with danish sometimes but that's that's trickier because of the pronunciation it's so different like in the mouth um so it sounds even though reading i think is pretty easy but 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 speaking um is is very different but finnish is actually completely different it's like uh it's not really really related to the other nordic languages it's more related to estonian or ukrainian um ukrainian or or i think I mean, but actually it's kind of a lonely language. So it's not like, because the other ones, the Nor other Nordic languages are also similar to German or English. Um, but, but yeah, so it's been very good to, to know Swedish. Uh, but I'd say, yeah, Finnish, it's very hard. You just, it's also the grammar. I think rather try Swedish 
that's easier. <laughs> so I should probably shift over. I I am wondering, so I'm assuming you've heard uh, the other songs competing at UMK. Uh, and there's a question that I sort of ask everyone. Now, although your song is very you, you know, and, and unique to you, if you had the opportunity to steal another one of your competitor's song and put sort of the Alexandra spin on it, which song from UMK would you go, okay, I'm, I'm going to try and remix that one? That's a hard one. I don't know. That's really hard. <sighs> hmm. They, yeah, all of them are very different. Um, all of our songs are very different. I mean, I love I love all of them. Such bangers. I mean, incredible. Um, I don't know. I think I think in another interview I said I said Kuma uh, because we kind of they they had said that they wanted to do a remix of mine and I was like I'll do a remix of theirs. Maybe I could do like an English version of their song. That could be pretty cool. Because mm-hmm. I, I, my voice sounds very weird when I sing in, in, in Finnish. I haven't really done that much because I don't feel like it works. So maybe I'll do <laughs> like a, I do like an English version of theirs. I love that one. Or Benjamin's okay. song. I think either okay. one of those. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, MNK, UMK is coming with the heat, coming with the fire this year. And I mean, we're all going to be tuning in. I'm, I'm really looking forward to tuning into the show. But thank you so much for speaking with me. Thank today. you for having and me. I was going to say, if you want to lead us out, I've been asking some performers, if you have any advice for folks that are creatives out there, what would be your nugget of advice that you would give someone? I think really always listen to your intuition and make make decisions based on that and, and have fun. Enjoy. Have fun. I think that's the most important. I keep forgetting that. Like I take things way too seriously. It's it's play. It's fun. It's creative, fun stuff. So have have fun with everything. Here I have my the dogs are playing here. <laughs> They're having a good time. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And yes, I think that thank that you. advice is right for people to remember to have fun. Yes, and I think that's that's why I love Eurovision. It's a lot about fun. It's yeah, it's perfect. Yes, it's the biggest show. It's the biggest party on television. Yeah, exactly. Longest I running party on television. <laughs> <laughs>